Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 78. As the new Season 3 almost approaches, the prospects are all at camp, and there's scrimmages going on, and hockey kind of feels like it's uh, right around the corner, which it is. Uh, We're in the midst of football season, so that has officially started. Uh, The Mets are officially out of, uh, you know, playoff contention. And, you know, that just means that the NHL hockey season and the New York Rangers season is almost upon us. And you should get excited because I know Andy and I are. And uh, so I got to lead with this. Andy, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited. Like you said, uh, couldn't have the hockey season couldn't have come at a better time. Uh, I'm excited for basketball to get going here, too. Uh, as you mentioned, the Mets uh, not, not making the postseason, <laughs> the Jets. I'm not even going to say anything else. We were just talking about it off mic. What a train wreck that is. So, yeah, the New York Rangers and the New York Knicks, I'm ready for them to to, to satiate uh, my thirst for hopefully successful and winning sports. But, yeah, summer is we're a little bit of an Indian summer period where it's warm, but you can feel it getting a little bit drier. And I, this is this is the sweet spot. I love it. It's I love being outside when it's sunny, but still dry out. Gorgeous day today. Like you said, uh, prospects. Currently in the midst of New York Rangers rookie camp, they scrimmaged yesterday. We're recording this on Sunday. They're going to have a scrimmage and another scrimmage against Philly in about an hour. Uh, yeah, and I think it'll be a good time. You know, main camp starts uh, for the Rangers next week, and it'll be a good time to just talk about at least who might surprise through this uh, rookie camp and who we're looking for big performances out of. Yeah, and you know, over the past few seasons, I think the Rangers are you know one of the the few teams that really have accumulated a lot of you know prospects and and young talent and we've seen some of them play at the NHL level but a lot of them you know may never even get the chance to put on a New York Rangers sweater but it's still there's still value and you know there's still interest in what these players do because these are the potential trade pieces to bring in a bigger name these are the the add-ins into that mega trade that might bring you know Jack Eichel to the New York Rangers or you know a uh, uh, you know, a Dylan Larkin as Andy hope is hopeful for. So, you know, these things matter. These prospects tournaments matter. You would imagine that there are many of scouts, uh, probably watching the New York Rangers. And I know they scrimmaged the Philadelphia Flyers uh, yesterday. I unfortunately, uh, just with my day and, and having work and in the morning and the, and the evening. So that was tough for me to watch, but, um, I'm guessing you got to, watch a lot of that you know hockey and and Andy I definitely want to hear your thoughts and and just your overall thoughts of a, a you know of the first scrimmage game for the New York Rangers prospects yeah so I will lead with the caveat that anyone that takes any you can't read too much into these prospect games these are players from all over the, the globe who have uh, haven't played with each other some of them have played more recently than others so they're going to be on different pages even with the like at least a few days of on ice scrimmaging it's not the same thing and again these things games usually tend to be very disjointed and this game was definitely very herky-jerky and disjointed uh the rangers rookies looked pretty flat coming out took some dumb penalties and got burned 
on the on special teams by the Flyers in the first period. I think it, so. It was it was three nothing going into the, uh, the the second period, but then they obviously made their adjustments. They scored three to tie it up, but then took uh, I think Brendan Othman took a penalty in the dying uh, minutes of the second period, and then the Flyers got one again on special teams, and then from there the Rangers were rookies were trying to even it up and just obviously lost a little structure and the Flyers were able to get one more. And then, so then they pulled the goalie looking to score two. And of course one went in the empty cage. So Flyers uh, prospects win six to three, but again, it's, it doesn't really matter. It's more about just trying to suss out how, what players strengths seem to be and what their weaknesses seem to be, how comfortable and poised do they seem to be. And yeah, for the most part, it was a real mixed bag. Uh, I will say I thought Zach Jones and Morgan Barron looked like the two most comfortable or players on the ice for the Rangers anyway, which is to be expected. Though, uh, you know, Zach Jones did play a, a good amount of games for the Rangers down the stretch last year, at least you know close to six or seven, right? So he has NHL experience. So he's, he and his just based on his smarts, uh, yeah. So which that's good because I think a lot of players thought in the event uh, that Nils Lundqvist, for whatever reason, wasn't ready to go out of the gate, Jones can take NHL minutes. Uh, Morgan Barron looked strong, has an excellent wrist shot, scored a nice goal coming off a turnover, coming down the wing. Uh, Nils Lundqvist, I thought, was all right. He looked a little shaky, and I think people were worried about that, but you have to, this is his first game with that type of tempo. He took a, a hit in the first, and he was off for most of the period getting, you know, with maintenance and getting looked at, so... When he came back, like, and I thought he had the puck a lot. I just thought he's looking up ice for options, and it was so disjointed that he didn't have a lot of passing options. So I think that's another thing where it's like he was trying to do a little too much himself instead of just say, screw it all, even if it's a chip and his guy doesn't get it. But he wants to make tape to tape passes, and it was so there was no structure to, you know, like I said, a lot of these players don't have much experience playing with each other. So very disjointed. So yeah, it was a tougher game for him. And, but I could see him having a nice bounce back performance tonight. Um, as for players that stood out positively to me, I thought Will Cooley plays a pretty simple and effective game. Uh, but he's big and strong. The range it, you could definitely tell that the Rangers' mandate of being harder to play against and guys who are a little bit more work ethic in the corners. You saw that you had like Matt Rempe, who's huge, got in a nice fight uh, through some big hits, um, and then like I said, Will Cooley. And even Brennan Othman, who the Rangers just drafted, although he's, you could tell he's still a little undersized and needs to, he needs to spend more time in junior and just get bigger and stronger and kind of develop. If he's going to develop into a power winger, he's going to have to, like I said, put on more size and really refine those areas of the game because he definitely looked a little underdeveloped. But that's not his fault. He just a freshly drafted, and some of these guys are, are like I said, on the cusp of the NHL. So that's going to happen. But yeah, for the most part, it was it was fine. You know, Lori. Pahunyemi kind of surprised me. Surprised, surprised me yeah. in that he was a guy I thought his. You know, if you're a, a winger coming from, you know, uh, coming over from Finland, that there's a chance that yeah, your game might not. I didn't expect him to look as good in transition and making you know plays at that speed, but he looked pretty comfortable, so that was nice to see. He's a guy who I don't want to say he's a long shot, but it, like he, you know, I think at the very least he becomes a. You know, I think his ceiling is like a, as a as a third line winger in the NHL because he's got a deadly shot. But he actually surprised me with his plays and transition, and he was good. I thought Carl Henriksen, uh, although it was hard for him to create things, he always had the puck a lot. It just kind of shows he has nice. Uh, yeah, he's he's very smart, which is underrated. You know, even at his size and maybe lack of foot speed for his size, he was kind of the first, like Derek Stepan, he always seemed to be around the puck before everyone else because he kind of was better at following play. But at the same time, we've seen even guys that were good at that at lower levels, like Leah Sanderson ultimately doesn't really translate to much to them. So, and especially if you don't have uh, skilled wingers to pass to in Henriksen's case, because he's not a scorer, he's a, he's a playmaker. Yeah, it just really hurt his making much of an impact. But I at least like to see that he was always in the right spot. So... Yeah, and like I said, other than that, it's like a lot of the Rangers' most higher-touted prospects have graduated, right? You know, guys that would usually be playing in tournaments like this, uh, Kako and, and hell, even Keandre Miller and Lafreniere, uh, they're beyond it, So and Vitaly Kravtsov. So yeah, so you even with the way the Rangers have drafted, it's still 
it, it's still good to see they have a lot of at least some touted prospects down there. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I lost my choice. Oh yeah, and, and even guys like uh, Brain Schneider who looked like nothing really phased him which was good. He was like that noticeable on rushes, but other than that, you didn't really notice him, but then he was steady and looked like it didn't phase him. You know, Matthew Robertson didn't look so good to me, which is maybe, I don't know if it was an off game for him, but again, I don't think he has, everyone knows he doesn't really have the upside, even though him and Schneider might look similar on paper. I think Schneider is just a little bit of a better skater, a little bit more aggressive and has, you know, where Robertson looked like he was chasing the game a little bit. Um, But you know, like I said, you can't glean too much from these. It's just nice to see potential. Uh, you're looking for potential, I think, overall, or like things. It's basically to, it's more of a checkup to say where are these players are at, like what are they good at, where do they need to get better, and ultimately, yeah, it was a big mixed bag all over with the sloppy hockey. But they, as a team, as a unit, they looked terrible for the first period. They dominated the second period and parts of the third while looking for the equalizer. But special teams was their downfall, and that's hockey in a nutshell. So. It was it was fun to watch. Yeah, and it, you know, you look at you know the prospects that the New York Rangers have, and you you just mentioned it before that you know the high the highly touted ones are already getting NHL experience. I think that kind of goes to show the direction that the Rangers have been going in over the last couple seasons with you know accumulating these assets. Um, you know, let the ones that are you know ready to play at the NHL play at the NHL. Um, you know, Zach Jones got a little taste of it at the end of last season. And, you know, if you look at, you know, the pool of players that we have right now, um, currently on the New York Rangers roster, you know, one of the biggest, you know, things of last year and the narratives that we spoke about was, you know, we needed guys with NHL experience. Um, now that this is a little bit harder roster to crack for some of these players, um, you know, granted, they're already locked into their teams for next season, right? Whether that be the Wolfpack or if they're going back to Liga or, uh, you know, NCAA, just, you know, there's so many different leagues out there that these guys kind of come from, um, you know, Andy, what do you think their mindset is, you know, with these scrimmages and with this, you know, prospect camp, um, knowing that, you know, the New York Rangers are kind of taking that next step and, you know, not to say that they missed the boat, but it kind of feels like, you know, if you're not already, you know, being discussed right now as, you know, uh, you know, at least on the wolf pack. Um, but, you know, how do some of these guys, you know, mentally go through this camp knowing that, you know, the New York Rangers are on that next step, uh, you know, in the next phase of kind of being now a, a contender for the NHL playoffs? Yeah, you know, I think because a couple of seasons ago, to your point, the Rangers were a team that was kind of they were wide open for the cracking, you know, to crack into their lineup because they were selling off parts left and right. So there was plenty of audition spots, but they want more defined roles this year. And I mean, it, I think every player's circumstance might be a little different depending on where their position is. Obviously, everyone wants to make a good impression, but what that entails, I mean, if you look at a, a kid like Will Cooley, and for, he's not old enough yet to play for uh hartford so if he doesn't make the rangers he has to go back to the ohl right so he might be a guy who just say i want to make an impact and even if that means sacrificing some areas of my game in terms of simple simplification and just playing heavy and you know doing more of the dirty work that might be the case he might say it's going to be harder for me to wait for offense to come to me so i have to show them what i know i can do which is be heavy in the corners and throw big hits and then just make simple area passes, even if ultimately I don't score a lot of highlight reel goals or this or that, right? Uh, I think a guy like Nils Lundqvist, who maybe feels, might see this as a little bit more of a tune-up for him. So he's not going to push himself too much or like, you know, go try to go all all out because he feels like, you know, for him, main camp is more of the audition. And I mean, we've seen plenty of Rangers prospects over the last few years have poor prospect camps or poor Traverse City tournaments or rookie tournaments or whatever. Even Pavel Buchnevich comes to mind where he almost like slept, walked his way through it and didn't look all that good. But then he made the team out of camp because he's like, all right, like, cause I think in his mind, he's like, I'm up beyond this or above this. So it's different for every player. But like I said, the, you know, the guys who know that they're right there uh, or, and I also think it depends like Morgan Barron, they put the, put the A on him for a prospect tournament and he's expected to make the team. So I think he, he might look at it like I have to, you know, and he's playing on the top line, uh, at least for the last prospect game, we'll see if they mix things up just to experiment. But 
yeah, I just think for him, he's like, I'm clearly someone that they have potentially penciled in a spot. So I have to, I might have to look, look the part, you know? So, and obviously his size, his strength, his age stood out as, as he stood out as one of the players who, even though the whole team was bad in the first period, he got better as the game went on and like was disrupting and making good passes. And yeah, got to show some, even though, even though he might only be a, a bottom, you know, a fourth line center in the NHL, but got to show what he can, at least he can has a, a shot. That's, you know, a plus shot. That's pretty good. So, yeah, I think it's different to, that was a long way of winded way of answering your yeah. question, but, but I think at the end of the day, it's, it is, the circumstances are different, but because we know the Rangers and Gerard Gallant have mandated more role players. I think you saw, you definitely saw a lot of more there where I thought as a whole, one thing, the trend that stood out to me is that the Rangers uh, were winning their board battles at least, but in terms of their, their overall structure, there's the battle level was high, but the structure was waning at times, but when they were all engaged and confident, then, you know, it helped the skill guys play better as the game went on. But you can definitely see from some of the players they've drafted, like Rempe and Cooley and Othman, even guys that, like I said, Othman's not there yet, but he was still engaging a lot and trying to get in the mix. And even Henriksen, who's uh, a smaller guy, was getting in, you know, getting, you know, trying to at least get in early and, and battle. So, and that stuff rubs off on you. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, if you see the rest of your teammates doing it, then you get in the, the muck with them. But yeah. And then, so like I said, you have players like Evan Veerling, who, because he missed all of last season with an injury, I, I think he knows he's not, you know, he's just trying to get comfortable playing hockey again at a high level. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, it's different for every player. I'm sure players have been t- told behind closed doors, different things they need to work on. But at the same time, uh, yeah, it's just, it's making an impression and whether that they interpret that as, this is the thing they told me they want me to do more of. I'm going to show them I can do it. That's their idea of an impression, whether it's to show them that I'm comfortable at this level, that's an impression, whether it's, I know that the real eyes are going to be on me at main camp. So I'm not going to kill myself here, but you know, at least try to keep my head above water until we get there. You know? So I I think different players uh, take it in different directions. And then, you know, sometimes some of them kind of overthink things and succumb to the pressure and other ones kind of flourish because it's like no one expects anything from me. So you always hear about like this is guys really been a surprise or a revelation at camp. Who knew he had this in him? You know, that happens a lot. So, uh, yeah, it's a mixed bag for everyone. But um, like I said, the Rangers are fortunate in that they've drafted often. And for the most part, I think they've drafted pretty well over the last few seasons, maybe occasional reach here and there. But for the most part, they've have they have guys cracking on the door, and that was the goal always. So, uh, yeah, it's nice to see that even if Lundqvist struggles, Zach Jones looks like he's clearly and he can take some more shifts in the NHL. Might look even better than he did down the stretch last year, even though he was kind of limited at first. Because you remember those first two games for him, he was kind of just standing around and trying to do little things, but he was clearly a little undersized. But I think he's a guy with just a little bit more confidence and poise. All of a sudden, it's like it doesn't phase him because he's just too smart. Yeah, and you know, looking at the prospect pool that we have right now, I mean, if you're a center or a goaltender, you got to be chomping at the bit because I think those are the two positions where I think there's a little bit of uh, an opening. Not to say that there's not an opening with that last, you know, maybe defensive s- slot, but the New York Rangers seem to kind of have that penciled in, whether that being um, uh, Lundqvist or or uh, Jones. So, I mean, if you look at the center center's depth on the New York Rangers, it's not you know it's not overwhelming i think there's a possibility of with a couple injuries going down there's going to be you know a need for you know center depth and you know if, if you're one of those standout players and obviously it's not going to come from just this prospect tournament or these scrimmages but you know if you can set yourself up you know and become you know a part of the wolf pack and become that standout center that you know can do a lot of good things, especially on a defensive side of the puck. I think your shot will come sooner rather than later. Uh, the one area, Andy, that I wanted to talk about was uh, goaltending because we're kind of in a weird situation where we do have a 1A and 1B situation with uh, Shesty and Georgie. And I am under the impression that even if the Rangers are fighting for a playoff spot, I still think that they will flip Georgie at some point, even if it's really not for that sexy of a return. I think they'll do it if they know that they have a prospect, you know, or goalie that is probably ready to and be comfortable playing a backup role 
uh, you know, for the Rangers. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, when I look at the Rangers, like I look at Dylan Garand is obviously not there yet. I think he had a, a bit of a rough game. Uh, Tyler Wall, maybe, you know, he, he had his moments. He was OK at times in Hartford, but he just he hasn't stood out. It wasn't obviously like when Shesterkin went down there, he was clearly too good for the AHL. And then even other guys like Adam Hushka, like, yeah, I think the the Rangers don't have that heir apparent yet. Unfortunately, they have guys that could eventually get there or maybe could even be OK. But uh, I just don't I don't see that for them yet. But so you're right. I, I, on the one hand, the opportunity is there. But on the other, it's like I don't think anyone has really been able to distinguish themselves, at least as of yet. But we'll see. There's another game today and there's camp and we'll see. You know, you'll hear the reports that come out of camp, but at least in terms of uh, the the players in Hartford last year, yeah, it was kind of the goaltending was kind of a mixed bag for everyone. So, uh, but yeah, I don't uh, like I said, it, there, the opportunity is definitely there because I think, like you said, the I'm sure the second there's some some of these te- and guaranteed, I've looked at some of the tandems around the league. Oh boy, like you know, uh, I think at some point teams will be looking for to make adjustments on their you know on their back end, so or at least for gold you know in between the pipes. So uh, Georgiev could look to be a very uh, attractive asset. Yeah. And especially this year with him only making like 2.4, if you're, you're telling me there's a team out there, maybe question mark on the goaltending, but they still feel like they can go after a Stanley cup. I mean, you know, Georgie's right for the picking right there. You know, uh, a guy who's trying to prove himself who will be hungry to embrace a starting role, wherever that may be, even if it's just a fill in, uh, you know, for a temporary injury or a permanent injury for the season of a team trying to go for a Stanley Cup. I, I think, um, you know, Rangers would be kind of foolish not to, um, you know, if the if the asking price is there, they'd be foolish not to jump on it. And, you know, we will need, I know we have, uh, do we still have Kincaid, right? Am I not, am I crazy? Do we yeah, sign we still him for two years? Kincaid. Yeah, okay. So, I believe we, so, yeah. I thought, I thought we had him for two years for some reason. So, um yeah, you know, we are, I know Kincaid is there, but, you know, obviously that's not a long-term solution to our uh, our backup. So there's definitely opportunities to be had there. But, you know, so overall, Andy, you know, the prospect tournament kind of rolls into training camp for the New York Rangers. Um, you know, some of the players are, you know, are already in Manhattan. Um, Fox is doing a little tour with his Norris trophy going, uh, I I don't know, restaurant to restaurant showing it off. Uh, you know, I know it's an exciting few weeks coming up, you know, for New York Rangers hockey with, um, geez, what the Rangers first game is, uh, oh my God, why is this slipping my mind? 26, right? uh, The preseason or the regular season? I think the first preseason game is 26. Yeah. I mean, you know, the boys are going to be six days away from when you're hearing this episode for the first time. Yeah. So, I mean, it's right around the corner. You know, this team is going to be chomping at the bit to get back on the ice. Uh, This roster that has kind of been brought, you know, brought together over this offseason has got to be, it's got to be exciting because now it just legitimizes the New York Rangers as a team heading in a different direction. They are now trying to be the bullies on the block and, you know, opening night, you know, against the where we have the Washington Capitals, I think, is our first regular season game. Um, you know, it's it just there's a lot to be excited about. Now, Andy, I have to ask you, um, going into this season, right? I know it's it's playoffs are bust, but do you now that the season is kind of upon us, right? And, you know, there's mm-hmm. going to be a game in a couple of weeks. Do you still feel like it's playoffs or bust? Because for me. I kind of went from it's not playoffs or bust to kind of getting watching training camp, you know, highlights and kind of seeing the New York Rangers funnel into Manhattan. I kind of feel now it's playoffs or bust. I think it is. And I think even uh, Drury has qualified because everyone asks him that. And he says, well, no, it's not playoffs or bust. But then meanwhile, if you look at uh, Glenn say they're standing behind him, he's almost looking at the, at the players. He's making the, the, you know, the neck, the thumb neck sign. You know what I mean? It's like, it's come on. I mean, we know at the very least without knowing of everything that went down that uh, Jim Dolan's impatient. The organization seems pretty impatient. Glenn Sather, Glenn Sather seems impatient. They don't like, uh, 
you know, I don't know if it's one of those things that even if they lose every game, but they beat the beat the crap out of every team in a losing effort, uh, if they'll be happy. But I just think Gerard Gallant, at least behind the bench, you have a better coach with a proven track record. Uh, it hurts to lose a Pavel Buchnevich, but you hope that all the young role players and on this team being yet another year older, that com- a combined year of experience for a Philip Heedle, a Vitaly Kravtsov, a Capo Caco, and Alexi Lafreniere, uh, hell, even Adam Fox and Lindgren and Keandre Miller and Jones or Lundqvist, whoever's there, that all these young players who are, you know, sub 24 years old, taking a, a step forward to, to becoming just good players in the NHL, that all of a sudden that they are that much better. So, and obviously you hope that maybe if, as players like Panarin and Mika and Kreider enter or, you know, approach or enter their thirties or Truba that it doesn't, that they can, even if they take a start taking steps back, that it's the, the jump forward that the younger players take uh, kind of overshadow that or, or make, you know, still keep, keep it as forward momentum. So uh, yeah, so that's, that's the hope. So like, like I said, I do, it just, it feels to me like it is playoffs or bust. And even Adam Fox, I think was on, uh, the NHL t- today podcast through the NHL network or NHL on ice, whatever it's called and said, you know, the feeling is there's a lot of expectations this year. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say it's playoffs or bust, but it feels like it would be a disappointment if we didn't. So, and then I look at, you know, Pittsburgh that will maybe will miss Cros- Crosby for uh six games to start the season off coming off of surgery we'll then have to kind of like hope he can get it back up to speed they're going to be missing malkin for an indeterminate amount of time uh, i think latang might be out too so uh you know and then you look at washington just another year older and uh you look at columbus who is clearly rebuilding will be one of the worst teams in the league uh yeah i just i think even with the fact that the islanders and uh Carolina, you know, being two of the better teams like, you know, Philly, you don't know, will they bounce back? Will they won't? I think there's even if you say, well, not just excluding a wild card, like one of those, even if it's just that third spot in the Metro is up for the taking, I would imagine. You know, it's a it's a crapshoot, but they can definitely do it. They have the personnel, they have the coaching. Uh, so, yeah, I, but so I think that's the spot they're looking at. Today's podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. Look, week one of the NFL season may be over, but the season's just getting started. At DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and to kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week two game and receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. And DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Right, and putting it all together and, you know, and having expectations fulfilled too, is going to be a huge part of that. And if you look at players, in my opinion, because now that I set you up and right, and I confirmed that you are a playoff or bust, you know, type of guy, right? And that I've joined mm-hmm. this. Now, the, if the Rangers get off to a slower start and there's still inconsistencies and there's still growing pains and it's now coming around to January, February, and we haven't really broken away from the pack and, you know, kind of hover around that, you know, 500 record. And when we're not playing good, consistent hockey, I'm not saying we got to win every game, but I'm saying we got to be over 500 because this is going to be a tough division. You know, the Penguins, they could be streaky, right? Just because they, you know, start the season without Crosby and start, even if they started two and 10, 
we all know what the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to be doing. You know, they're going to be right in the mix towards the end of the season, regardless of the the start that these teams have. You know, they're they're just they have that you know veteran presence. They have you know great leadership. They have consistent coaching. Um, you know, they, all these teams have been there, done that. You know, they don't they don't need to have to write the ship. They're you know they're they have good leadership within that organization. The Rangers, the jury's still out whether this all meshes together, right? Yeah, the, the uh, um, what, what what word am I looking for? The experiment of getting tougher. You know, does it actually work? Is there you know proof in the pudding? So for me, I'm looking at a few players, Andy, that are kind of not only the Rangers playoffs are bust, but I think their time with the New York Rangers is you know make or break with this season. And there's a couple names that come to mind. Number one is Philip Hedl. Now we'll start with Hedl. Because I think he's one of the more interesting ones. Given that he's a center, uh, he's still young at 22 years old. Um, the expectations should be a little bit more this season. I thought he had a good start to the season, fought and battled through injuries, and then you know you can't really say that you know all the you know any particular Ranger really suffered last year. But you know he's one of the players that you kind of expected a bigger role and. You know, he didn't really do it. He might have did it at the beginning of the season, but towards the end, he kind of fizzled off. Um, you know, is this a make or break, you know, season for Filipino? Because I personally think it is. Oh, absolutely. And like you said, I think Filipino, we've already seen, can be a useful NHL player. But it's hard to divorce what you, the organization is hoping you become from the actual player in front of you. So if he can prove to be a a solid second line center. It solves a lot of problems for this team, but even if he's just ultimately, he can't, it's deemed he can't play center, but he can be a useful player on the wings. Well, all of a sudden you look at the amount of wingers this team has and it's, they say, is it worth it anymore? You know, if he's not going to outproduce the other winger, even if he's good, or if he's like, he's a better defensive player or a two way winger, whatever it is, I just, it's kind of hard to get that disappointment that it didn't pan out the way you wanted in your head. So uh, you know, you hope that he can still be be seen as an attractive piece for other teams if he's going to be included in a trade. But obviously, at the end of the day, I hope it works out because just at least defensively, you see how strong of a player he can be. And, you know, I think it's with him, it's kind of going to be about finding the right chemistry because he is a, a guy who has strong one-on-one skills. He's got a, a pretty okay shot. He's not much of a playmaker. He doesn't have his vision isn't all that great, but he's made some pretty good passes. It's just you kind of, but at the thing you see him, he's a beast down low. And as he gets strong, you know, as he gets more comfortable in this league that he does feel like he, his, his ceiling is still extremely high because if he puts together how to use his teammates better, I think that just makes more ice space and ice time for him. And all of a sudden he's a very dangerous player, but Again, I think the one thing that maybe has held him back to this point is, uh, you know, just, you know, vision and being able to utilize his teammates because he's obviously a very dangerous player one on one because he's big, he's strong, he's fast. But uh, yeah, he just clearly has to slow the game, be better at slowing the game down for himself sometimes, you know, so he doesn't underhandle the puck or have a miscue or rush, rush plays or miss on a backdoor tap in or those type of things. You know what I mean? But he's, Absolutely. he's right that he's right there to being a, a quality, you know, top six uh, offensive player. But and I think the defense is already there. If you look at his underlying metrics and how he drives expected goals, it's just, it hasn't translated for him yet because like, I think the factors I mentioned. So if he can do that and just have the comfort to add a little bit more deception or, offensive or patience or you know just pulling people to him like an adam fox where like i said he's very good he ball rushes around the ice and that was good for defensive play and and at least winning puck battles but you know when people are defending you have to at least have a little either be able to beat you know goaltenders through screens with your shot and he's just not that kind of player he's more of a bull rush the puck to the net and then hopefully cash in close to the net so uh, and sometimes that's also chemistry with your linemates. So we'll see. This is, like you said, this is a very important season for Phil Pedal because even if he is to this point proved to be a very good NHL or at least a valuable middle six NHL, I mean, the organization wants him to solve their problems at, at second line center. And if he can't, he might, like you said, he might be on his way out. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And I think it's it's crazy, you know, because he's only 22, but he feels like he's been here for so many years. And it's just like, all right, come on, break out, please. We need that number, that number uh, two center to kind of blossom. And because you don't know what the future is with Ryan Strom, right? So, you know, we kind of need, you know, that homegrown number two center that you could trust on both sides of the puck. So, all right. Uh, the second one, Andy, I know this one's going to be a little bit, it's a little hot to touch here, but I'm going to throw it out there because, um, you'll see Capo Caco. Listen, before, before I let you answer, the reason I say this is because I think Alexis Lafreniere has a breakout season this year, right? I, I think you'll see way more numbers. I think he'll be a little bit more comfortable with having a training camp, you know, not jumping right into this season. Um, there's a little bit of normalcy. I think there's going to be better control and command in the locker room in terms of, you know, coaching and, and just having more leadership. I think, you know, the older, you know, the older guys on our team are going to step up regardless if we have a captain or not. So, um, but the reason I say that is because he might get left behind mentally in, in the, in the, uh, mind of the fans. I think Capo Caco could get left behind here. And if he doesn't have a, a make or break, well, this makes it a make or break year. But if he doesn't have a breakout year in terms of putting up points, I think people are going to be like, well, what the hell? A number two overall pick is now just our best defensive player. Well, that's boring. He's out. So. Yeah, and I agree. I would hope the organization that would be at least hopefully smart enough not to like let that affect. Because again, it would only be his third season in the AHL of which he jumped in right when he's eight you know, much like Philip Hedel, like when he was uh, 18 years old. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you, because I mean, we we saw obviously the numbers didn't translate, but just his play off the puck, his play on the puck, his ability to now win battles. I mean, he's going to, if you take the same step he took from his first year where he struggled and then last year where he looked good, it just didn't really translate into offense. If he takes another similar jump, he's going to be a scary player, you know? And I... If it clicks for him this season, even like even if it clicks for Lexi Lafreniere, like because down the stretch, Lafreniere looked comfortable and was, you know, he was getting points. He started getting points hand over fist. If you take his last Lexi Lafreniere's like last 10 or 15 games and you prorate it, it's like he has a pretty good rookie season. Right. Yeah. Um, Because he looked comfortable. He was scoring, you know, for more. And I I think that makes sense. He's a smarter. Lexi Lafreniere is a smarter offensive player and his score. Skill set is more versatile. He's got a deadlier shot. He is a little bit more elusive. He can smarter to recognize where he needs to be. But that being said, if Capo Caco, if it all comes together for him, like ne- this year and it clicks, he is off the bat, he is a better player than Alexi Lafreniere because not only can he be an offensive threat, he has legitimately turned himself into a two way scoring threat who takes away. You know, and I think at the end of the day, Lafreniere's game is not predicated on that. He's going to Lafreniere is going to be a guy who is your just puts up offense and oodles because he's so smart at recognizing how to push play into offensive areas. But off the puck, he's not like a takeaway machine, not like Capo uh, Caco, who's strong and can like use his frame to help his other other players set up and then just win battles and get the puck back to the point. Even just the stuff like that. So. You know, that I think that's what's tantalizing about Kako is that there's a head, even when they both reach the, the apex of what they can be in the NHL, there's a part of me that thinks Kako, Kako could still be a better player than Alexi Lafreniere. I just think, unfortunately, it's going to be a, a steeper hill for him to climb. But that being said, like, to your point, like, you're right. I think fans will lose patience if he doesn't put up the counting stats this year, even though it's only his third year in the NHL. Because at that point, you're like, well we made all these excuses for Capo and Lafreniere like, Oh, it was the coaching and it's, you know, Quinn had them second guessing and he COVID, wasn't comfortable yeah. and there was COVID that's all gone now. So if you don't do it, it's like, well, he's running. There's no excuse. Now you had a full, full training time to train in Finland. Uh, you don't have the same difficulties. It's not like you had starts and stops and you've shown that you can at least skate at an NHL level on the ice last season. So what's the, what's the hold up here? You know, you're definitely strong enough to win your battles now where your foot speed's improved enough. Um, so we'll see. I mean, he, I, apparently he's put on even more size. Uh, he's gotten even taller. You know, he's been running up mountains in Finland with Rantanen and a few other Finnish NHLers apparently. So we'll see. I mean, 
you know, I mean, and that's the thing. I think if you, it's it's crazy to think that Philip Heedle, Laf- Alexi Lafreniere, and Capocacco might come, will come in next season only between the ages of, you know, 19 and 22, and they're still growing. You know, Philip Heedle might just about be done growing, but he's a, they're going to be horses, you know, these type of guys that are the Rangers forwards, but, and they're all supremely skilled. So, but to your point, yeah, I mean, if it doesn't click for them all of a sudden, I think you have to take a look and be like, all of a sudden, it's like fans might say, well, maybe you do try to flip him for Jack Eichel. But if it doesn't come out in year three, does that hurt his value around the league? Or how, you know, we saw how quickly players like, um, you know, Yessi uh, uh, Pujarvi coming from a fourth overall pick in Edmonton to their value kind of decreasing a bit because they struggled out of the gate and had to go back to Europe for a little bit before coming back. And he might he's a good player. He might be a pretty good you know, middle uh, top six winger now, but he's not, he's not, doesn't have the same accolades he once had. So you don't want to get in that, that <laughs> you're hoping that Kako, that, that doesn't get to that point. You hope that he just proves to be, it clicks together. And even if he doesn't, you know, become a 60 point player overnight, but if he has at least like a 40 point campaign while playing good defense, you're going to, you take that as a win like every day of the week. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, you and I might be able to look at Kako's game and say, well, he does really a lot of good things off of the puck. So, you know, we can kind of justify it. But, you know, I think fans are very simple minded sometimes when they only look at the stat sheet and they say, well, you know, he's a bust. He only has got 15 points in his last, you know, 40 games. Yeah, but, you know, look at the amount of turnovers he's creating. Uh, you know, it, it, defensively, you know, he's, he's solidifying the top line. He's just not active on the puck and, and maybe not a part of all the goal-scoring plays, but it's the stuff that he's doing, you know, uh, you know, taking away time and space from the opponent to cause a turnover and have Zibanejad go the other way and score, you know, regardless of what line he's playing on, you, can, you know, fill in the blanks there. So the last one, though, um, I did just say his name, Andy, and uh, I think this one will be a little bit, you know, uh, I don't know. You might think I'm a little bit foolish for even throwing this out there, but I think this is a make or break year for Mika Zibanejad. And I don't mean points and I don't mean, you know, leadership. I mean, I truly mean he's got to stay healthy. We need him to play, you know, at least 65 games this season, you know, you know, and, and we can't have an injury where he's gone for a month and a half. You know, he needs to be Mr. Consistent this year and kind of be the leader that we all know that he can be. And, you know, it's great that, you know, he scores goals in bunches and, you know, he's one of the most electrifying players, you know, in the NHL when he's on top of his game. But when he's, you know, harboring an injury and and and, and kind of, you know, nursing his game and, and kind of, you know, using, you know, first line minutes to kind of get back into the swing of things. I think it's very frustrating for New York Rangers fans to sit here and justify this guy being our one C when, you know, there's other number one centers out there that play almost every game or at the, you know, leading the league in points. And, you know, I think Rangers fans expect the same and, and rightfully so, you know, we need a number one center to kind of be our leader out there, regardless if he has a letter on his chest or not. But, you know, I expect, you know, I want Zibanejad to be strong. I want him to be healthy. Um, I know the points will come if those things kind of fall into place. But I kind of want to hear your thoughts on, you know, if if this is another season where he misses, you know, 25 games and and is is rehabbing through playing, you know, with the New York Rangers and the points aren't there and, you know, there's a lot of question marks with his health and just everything. Andy, is this a make or break year for Mika Zibanejad being an unrestricted free agent uh, going into next year? Well, I definitely think the will to, is it worth it to resign him has been hanging over uh, this organization, even with just the the belief that he might have to be a necessary component of a trade for Jack Eichel. Um, I, you know, I think especially, and also if you remember him, it took them a while to hammer down their last contract with him, with the Zibanejad's brother as his agent. I, yeah, I do think so because it's like, they, this is a team that offense hasn't been one of their issues. And Mika, we know when he is healthy, he can score in droves and at will. It's just, you know, uh, for all that's touted about his two-way play, he's not the best two-way player. Like the, the numbers don't really bear that out. 
um, if anything, he was a better two-way player early on his career. And the more and more his offense exploded, it kind of came at the expense of some defense. But uh, yeah, I think it is important. I think he it's it's important for him, his on-ice play. I also think it's important mentally for him to decide, like, do I want to be a do, do I want to remain with this team? Like, I think the reality of the numbers plays into that. It's like I can go get paid elsewhere or I might because he's going to have to. He can't, you know, I mean, you can't pay him commiserate to a unfortunately what he is if he's going to stay for any length. You can give him term if if you have to. But, uh, you know, if he's even though he's a close to 40 goal scorer, you can't give him, you know, paying him anything more than $8 million is just not, I don't know if that works out just doesn't for this team down the long haul. So I think he's got to decide. I mean, you know, if he says, I want to stay, I'll take a little bit less, but I'm here and I'm a leader on this team. Who knows? Maybe then you, they finally put the C on him. They're like, he's here for now. You know what I mean? He wants to stay. He wants to be a leader, but you're right, James. I mean, he's, there are some players in this league that they're just unlucky with injuries. You know, Sidney Crosby is one of them. But luckily, when he's back, he produces, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, Jack Eichel's been one of them. But then you just have guys that are never hurt. So and that's kind of part of their being elite is that he doesn't miss any games. You know, uh, Alexander Markov doesn't miss a lot of games and he stays healthy and he puts a point. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's a it's a make or break for him in terms of how will this organization see him? Can they rely on him, which is the biggest thing? Can they rely on him? to not cost too much money? Can they rely on him to be a leader in the locker room after they had so many problems and disarray and chaos, right? When they need a player as captain to step up and, you know, show himself and distinguish himself uh, as a leader on this team, you know, can they rely on him to stay healthy? These are things that he needs to prove to the organization, you know? So yeah, and I, I guess it also depends at the end of the day how receptive is Mika to some of these ideas. Obviously, maybe getting hurt's not out of his within his control, but you know the other factors are like how does he see his role in this team? You know, I think at a certain point it might it might fall on him to say, well, I'm if he plays in a line with Capo Caco and Lafreniere, he might have to let Alexi Lafreniere take more of the goal scoring at the expense of him being more of a defensive minded pivot. You know, even if you do have Capo Caco in your wing, but you know these this might be. This is their first, might be their first season playing against top flight NHLers every shift with just Mika as the only guy to insulate them, even though they've only both been in the league two to three seasons, maybe, you know, not even in total with COVID. So, yeah, make or break for him, uh, especially most likely in the eyes of the, the organization, maybe not so much the fans, but uh, it's the, the organization is going to have to make a decision on him because it's too expensive to just kick. You can't kick the ball down the road anymore, right? Is it too old? He's looking to ca- he's probably going to look to cash out in some way, shape, or form with his last contract. I guess it just boils down: Does he love living in New York that much? Does he love being here? Does he think they are close? And it feels like that way. So I hope he makes the right decision. But at the same time, if if better if if as the season goes on, you hear rumblings or Washington, I'm, excuse me, Florida doesn't look that good. I don't know. Or other teams, it's like. Or Elias Pettersson is tired of losing in 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 Vancouver. Yeah, it's kind of weird. All of a sudden, it's like. Does does their does, does the eye of the organization kind of like trail elsewhere and see maybe we should look at, at alternative routes or you know options? So, uh, yeah, I, I would say it's definitely make or break for him. Yeah, and it's it's going to be interesting because you know the Rangers will be competitive. You know, I, I think I truly believe that they will be in the mix for a playoff spot, if not in a playoff spot. And it's interesting because there are newer, younger, shinier toys out there that are in positions right now on on their current teams and things aren't going as smooth as you know it it, it may look and you know you, like you named two you know barkov and Pedersen. i know barkov is on the florida panthers and everyone basically has them winning the stanley cup i'm pretty sure they already started you know uh you know chiseling the number uh, their names into the stanley cup this year with some of the way some of the people think the florida panthers are gonna pan out this year but you know it's just you know, for me going into this season and you have a look at the, the, the roster changes and everyone's excited and, and as you should, because we addressed, you know, a huge issue we've gotten, um, you know, we've gotten more experienced and our roster is kind of filled out with, you know, NHL, you know, bona fide NHL talent. 
but there's still question marks to be had. And this season is going to have to play out in order for those, you know, questions to kind of be answered. Um, you know, and, and for me, if you look at it, Andy, Zimenejad is 28 years old. I, I don't know when his birthday is, but let's just say he turns 29 this year at some point. Obviously he will, but, uh, you know, during the season, he's a UFA. You know he's going to be looking for $8.5 around that area. I don't know if I'm comfortable giving a guy who's now approaching 30 a six-year, seven-year deal worth $8.5 million who has a history of, you know, getting hurt and, you know, it, it will just be a question mark on what he'll, he'll be able to contribute to the New York Rangers um, over the next, you know, six, seven years, whatever they give him. So um, I, I think he's the biggest question mark in my eyes. Uh, Heedle has a two-year deal, and then he's an, uh, an RFA. Um, I, I think he'll figure things out. I don't know if he'll ever be a true number two center where we can truly rely on it, but I think he's one of those players that if he plays an, a 3C role and there's an injury, he can kind of fill in the gaps. I don't know permanently if he's a 2C. And then, you know, Capo Caco, I know everyone expected, you know, high, high things. And we get in, uh, you know, we get blinded by some of the numbers that some of these rookies are able to put up. But, you know, it's just a different circumstance with the New York Rangers. We we aren't those organizations We're you know, we're not, you know, Chicago Blackhawks where, you know, um, now I can't even think of his name. I was just thinking about it two seconds ago uh, where he put up all those numbers. Who was who went third in that draft class? Uh, Doc. Yeah, Kirby Doc, where, you know, you know, everyone saw him basically dominating the NHL right off the bat. So, you know, it's just, you know, we're not that organization. You can't you kind of, you know, base your opinion on on what other players are doing. You know, you know, Kako has come a long way over these last two years. I expect big things from him. And, uh, you know, I'm excited. You know, I'm more excited for the younger kids kind of breaking out because if if that if those things happen and they break out and they kind of fulfill their expectations and meet their end of the bargain, I really do think we're going to, it's no doubt that we're a playoff team. So um, that's all I have for you, Andy. You got anything else? Uh, not really. And I see it's 5 p.m. on the dot, which means the Rangers prospects are about to play their second game versus the Flyers. So this being a Rangers podcast, I think uh, we should go watch that. So Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode. Uh, We're excited for the season to get going here. And, yeah, because we get into the real meat of it uh, next week. So, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.